worthy, worthy, worthy. Lord, we are not meeting out of religious writ or right. God, we're not meeting just out of tradition. Father, we meet because we acknowledge you are the one true and living God, that you are ever present with us right here, right now. Not one day, someday, right here, right now, Father. Not when we get to heaven, right here, right now. Whatever life has presented itself uh, before us, you are here with us. You've promised you'll never leave us nor forsake us. You are here, right here, right now. We acknowledge you. You're worthy, 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 worthy are you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, you're good. You're good. You're good. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. There's just something about the presence of the Lord. <laughs> There's something about the presence of the Lord. When you are able to enter in and just acknowledge who He is right where you are, He's so good. <laughs> wow. I just want to follow Him. Amen? I don't mean that... Uh, in any kind of way other than I don't ever want to get ahead of him. I don't ever want to be about my thing, about my agenda, and not about his. And I believe that uh, as we pursue him, uh, he said that he gives us the desires of our heart. So I believe that there are desires that are placed on the inside of us that are from the Lord. And, uh, but I also believe that we can follow those desires and he can tweak them. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Amen? Are you, I know I'm still kind of vague. <laughs> I, uh, this morning, I've uh, been meditating on some things for a couple of weeks. And uh, this, this morning, the Lord just really confirmed it. And, uh, but I just want to be sensitive. I, I really sense that uh, he's desiring to help us today not just be stuck in the normal. And I'm not saying normal is bad. But I am convinced of this, that sometimes, many times, good stops us from great. <laughs> we can be connected with something that's good, something good can be happening, and we can be so uh, settled in that that we don't realize there's something great beyond it. And it's so easy because in that place, it's not that we're walking away from God. It's not that we're doing something contrary to his will or his word, but it's just being, uh, and I don't even like using the word comfortable because sometimes it's not even comfortable. But it's just not stretching for that what he has and this morning I was sitting at my desk and I was uh, studying and looking over some of my notes and I was actually uh, trying to see if a pen would write so that I could underline something in my Bible not my iPad come on Steve <laughs> she don't understand what that meant you need to listen to Stephen's message from last week I uh, did an amazing job, but I was, and I found a little post-it note that I have on my desk, I can't remember how long ago, 
it was that I had written it, but it said this, anything that we do without faith has just become a ritual. It's become religious. Anything that we do without faith, and I put up under there, that can be praying, that can be reading the Bible, that can be fasting, whatever. If we're not, not engaging in faith, in expectancy. What is faith? It's that expectancy. It's not just a belief. It's an expectancy that has an action attached to it. Not something that I'm doing to get God to do, but something I'm doing in agreement with what God's done. Amen. So there's, there's an agreement and there's an action to it. And as I was looking at that, that anything that we do that doesn't have faith has just become uh, a ritual or a religious activity that we have. And I, I've shared that many times here. So it's not that that's some new revelation that I have, but the power of it and the reality of it just continues to, to stir me. Because it is so very easy in life, in Christi- Christianity, to just be satisfied with doing what we are doing. Are you with me? You know, Stephen said last week, is it enough? And, I, and he said, he went on to say, it's not that we've got to do something. It's not that at all. It's just have we settled into a routine, have we settled into a way of living that's not everything that God wants us to be? <laughs> Amen. And as I've been pressing into that, the thing the Lord just really, really, really continues. There was one word. There was two, but he broke it down to one that I've been meditating on for a couple of weeks now. And it's this simple word of only. Only. I shared a couple of weeks ago in our uh, School of the Spirit that the Lord had had really spoken to my heart out of Mark. uh, Mark chapter 5. Two things are going on here. Jairus comes to Jesus and uh, in verse 21, verse 22, uh, verse 22, it says, Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And that word thronged there means that they were... How many of you have been somewhere you're trying to get in, whether it be a concert, a, a game of some sort, a race, you know, for all these good southern rednecks? Uh, whatever it is, you're, you're wanting to get into something. And there's a lot of people, you know, they're, I've been to conferences like that, a lot of conferences like that. And... I'm the guy that I'm going to get as close to the front as I can. <laughs> I'm going to do whatever I can to get. If I have to run, I'll run. I am not afraid. Uh, but I want to be up front. That's just the kind of guy I am. And I've been in them where you're just like this, and you're pushing, and, and someone will uh, turn sideways, and you go, oh, there's more room. <laughs> and you just kind of step up, and they're stuck like this. Man, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody relate? That's kind of what it was. He was being thronged. There were people everywhere around him. And as he was 
moving through the crowd, he, he had a destination, right? He had a place he was going. Jairus had come to him and said, come with me. He had a place that he was going, and uh, he got stopped because as he was going, he felt power come out of him because someone with faith touched him, and he said he felt virtue go out of him. He asked his disciples, who touched me? And Uh, the disciples said, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. What do you mean? Who touched me? You know, it would be like that famous guy going through the crowd, and he's got all his bodyguards surrounding him. You know what I'm talking about? And he's trying to get through, and somebody touches him. It'd be like him stopping and telling his bodyguards, somebody touched me. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what they do when you walk through the midst of them. They touch you. And he said, somebody touched me. And he said, no, you don't understand. Power went out of me. So he was going somewhere. It got delayed because someone got breakthrough. I know we're not like Jairus. That's not who we are. You know, we don't get mad when the Lord has given us a promise and it seems to be delayed. That's not who we are. Praise the Lord. I mean, but Jairus is, is here. So from verse 25 to verse 34 is the, the account of the woman with the issue of, of blood touching Jesus. And uh, then Jesus looks at her and says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And be healed of your affliction. One translation says, Go in peace and be whole of your affliction. And I think one of the things is Jesus acknowledged her, this woman with the issue of blood who wasn't supposed to be there in public, that he acknowledged her, that even his acknowledgement of her is what broke shame off of her. Because he said, Go and be whole. Not just be healed, go and be whole. Because Shame had been on her because she had had this issue, and she couldn't come in public. She was treated just like a leper, unclean. But Jesus said that her faith had made her whole. Then we pick up in verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as, as, soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. Jesus gave this man one assignment, only one thing. He said, only believe. And as I've meditated on that, and the, the Lord has given me marvelous opportunities to stay focused on that, and saying, Todd, only believe. Your responsibility is only believe. Because over the past few months, one of the things that has been on my heart, and one of the things that I've really been pressing into and been trying to communicate here is the importance of relationship, the importance of us doing life together, the importance, even in this situation right here, Jesus was teaching his disciples without sitting them down and giving them a lesson. 
Because they said, some, he said, somebody touched me. And they goes, yeah, somebody touched you. And he said, no, someone with faith touched me. Someone believing touched me. Jesus was teaching them, even this, and, and you, he was teaching them when faith is released, sometimes you know. And I'm not saying that's always, that you always have to have a feeling, but did Jesus feel it? Yes, he sensed in himself, a feeling sounds so emotional, he sensed in himself, in his spirit, that something had happened, that this woman had touched him. So even in his going, he was teaching. And in relationship, that's where I feel that true teaching takes place. It's in relationship where we grow together, when we open ourselves up, and we're vulnerable to learn from one another, to let down that guard. And, and the thing, the, the reason the Lord tied all this together for me here is only believe. Because I was pressing into this about relationship as I was pressing into it about the power of the Word of God, which is relationship, as Stephen shared last week. He said, one could say that someone's, that their relationship with the Word of God, with the Bible, mirrors or reflects their relationship with God. Is that right? Is that, that one that would say that was Stephen. That's what the Lord spoke to him. I'm going to throw him under the bus. He said, I ain't going to say, I said, the Lord said it to me. Then people come up to me and say, what are you trying to say? But one could say that relationship with the Word of God mirrors the relationship you have with the Lord. And I'm saying, Lord, that relationship is, is vital that we have with you and that we have with one another. And I said, what is it that stops us? And he said, it's simple. It hasn't changed. It's fear. It's fear. It was fear in the garden that caused Adam and Eve to sin because they feared that God had held something back from them, that God had lied, and that they didn't have everything that they could have. As Stephen shared, they weren't living life to the fullest, uh, abundant life that God wants us to have in John 10.10. They bought a lie from the enemy, and so there was a fear on the inside that says, maybe I don't have everything I could have. And as a result, they lost everything they had. As I was looking at that, and Mel even and quoted it when she was singing there at the end, the, kind of a new song to the Lord. Uh, she said, there's no fear in love. There's no fear in love. And in 1 John, uh, it says in verse 9, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the payment for our sin. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love what? One another. God abides in us, and his love has been perfected, made complete in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he us because he has given us of his spirit. 
And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. So he wants us to know that Jesus is what? The Savior of the world. That's it. That's the key. Relationship begins when we understand that Jesus is Savior of the world. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Verse 16, and this, and we have known and believed the love of that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So we can say, that in the context of this passage of Scripture, one of the things that Jesus is referring to is relationship, correct? If God so loved us, we also ought to what? Love one another. He said, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So he's saying that inside of relationship, there's that love that we have for one another, that Love that says, I'm willing to do sometimes what's not comfortable so that we can walk in fellowship, that we can walk in love. And the word fellowship is koinonia, and we see it in Acts chapter 2. It talked about they, they uh, had fellowship, but in that word fellowship literally means partnership. It means walking together, not just saying, hey, let's go out and fellowship, not let's go hang out. It's walking in partnership. It's deeper than just a cordial hanging out. Are you with me? Because many times churches have a fellowship hall. And what do we do? We eat. That's what we do there. We eat. The room you're in is our, also our fellowship room. This is where we eat. When we eat, we move the chairs and we set up tables and we eat in this room. And we fellowship. And, and really when we do that, when it's a depending on what part of the U.S. you're from, a covered dish or uh, what else, like potluck. <laughs> I guess it depends on where you are, what it's called. And uh, you, everybody brings something, right? Everyone brings something. So it's a, a collaboration of what we bring together, and then we all partake together. But the, the word koinonia, it's deeper than that. It's deeper than just let's sit down and, and eat together. It's talking about partnership and breaking bread. You see that in Acts, chapter, in Acts uh, I can't remember if it's 3 or 4, uh, the end of 2 going into 3. It shows what that fellowship looked like in the early church. It said they had all things in common. They were looking out for each other. But here in 1 John chapter 4, he said this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And then he says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who, has fear, who has, he who fears has not been made complete, has not been made whole in love. He said, so where there's areas of fear, and you know, it, it's almost unanimous. The reason people don't enter into relationship or enter back into relationship, it's fear. The reason people will have a pseudo-relationship, a skin-deep relationship is fear. Because they're afraid if I open myself up and let you know who I really am, you may not like me anymore. Or if I open myself up to really love you, 
you may leave. Oh, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I know I'm telling the truth. We've talked. We, even inside of this ministry with different ministries that we have going on, one of the big hindrances to authentic ministry is fear. It's fear of, of relationship, of real uh, authenticity. Where we, and I'm not talking about every time you come together, you just lay your junk out on the floor. That's not what I'm talking about. That's what man has tried to do to say this is what it looks like to be authentic. And that's not it at all. That's just a copy. That's an imitation. Being authentic and not being bound in fear says if God places something on my heart, I'll be willing to share it. Not that I share every time I come. Because in that, what can happen is a codependency can happen. Is that I've got to be heard and you've got to help. And that's not healthy. But to say... God, I trust you. I trust you. And because I trust you and I know the love that you have for me, I'm willing to not allow fear to hinder me. Fear affects every area of our lives. As I've pressed into this and just prayed about it, and looked at my own life. I've shared over the past few months about how God has exposed some things in my life that were fear that I didn't even know were there. Because one of the things that we do when there's something that where fear approaches, you know what we do? We insulate ourselves. And the easy way to do that in relationships is we put up walls. It's very, tra- it's very easy to see in a relationship because when I feel threatened, I'll put up a wall. If I allowed you this close, now I'll only allow you that close. I'm not going to let you come all the way in because the closer you get, the more uh, opportunity and ability you have to hurt me. So that insulation, it might be, uh, I don't want to say that because somebody could run with that the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) We... We have different terminologies of what that looks like when we put up our walls. And we can, ah, man. You know, I don't want to give a title because then you go, well, I don't do that. (laughs) Are you with me? I don't do that, so that's not me. But one thing that we do when there's fear involved, one thing that we do is we'll go normally, not always, but normally to the the other polar opposite, the other sphere. If I feel like I've been transparent with someone and it went somewhere else, what I do is I don't just go, wow, maybe I need to be careful about what I say and how I say it. And in the context that I say it, we don't do that. We go way over here and go, well, you know what? I ain't going to say nothing, never again. Double negative, out the door. I ain't never going to say nothing. Never. Triple negative. Again. Because, and here's what we do next. Because every time I do, every time I do, here's what happens. And that's not true. That is not true. Every time you do that, that's not what happened. But what you remember is the times that you've done it, and it did happen. You don't remember the times that you, that you shared your heart, and it was honored. And, and God used it in you and in them. but you do remember the times that you felt like it was thrown on the ground. <laughs> you know, I don't know who started it, but this little bitmoji thing. 
It's made its way through. You can get an app, and you can send all these little pictures and emojicons, you know, the cartoons. Just, I've, got them from, I've got them from numerous amounts of people in the church, and they're just cute. But what's so funny is in, this, in there, one of them that it has is it shows my little guy, you know. I made one. I did. Just so you know, I have one. But it shows... This guy, and he's reached in his heart, in his chest, and he's pulled his heart out, and it's bleeding in his hand. And in one of it shows that he's thrown it on the ground. And I'm like, dude, that's rough. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just rough. He, bleeding heart in his hand. <laughs> Y'all seen that one? Uh, yeah, okay, anyway. <laughs> it's in there. And, I, and, and that's... <laughs> Michaela just show. <laughs> we're gonna put it up on the screen. I'm just kidding. No, we're not. No, we're not. <clears throat> but that's the way it feels. And I don't I don't uh, I'm not belittling that. That's a reality. It does hurt. It does hurt. But when we understand his love and we allow his love to be what heals us, we'll not be manipulated by fear. We'll not be manipulated by the what ifs. You know, Stephen talked about last week, that was the title of his message, what if. I'm taking the spin and going the other way. His was what if we really press into the Word of God. How different would our lives look? That's so true. But so many times the what if that we live by is, but if I do this, what if? What if I do open up? What if I do believe and then I don't see it happen right away? Does that invalidate? Does that dismiss my faith and my belief? Does it say that it's not real and it's not true because my experience doesn't line up with my belief? So what we do is we go, we withdraw and we step back and then we step back and we step back and instead of saying, no, I'm going to press in, we, we withdraw. And I see it, we see it primarily in, in relationship, but it's not just relationship with God. We see it in relationship with, uh, with, our, with one another, with God, with church, all the time. How many, have you ever, anybody ever met someone who got hurt in church and said, well, I'm done with church. There's a bunch of hypocrites in there. I'm done with church. There's just a bunch of hypocrites in there. What did they do? They went from over here to over there. They went way over there and said, there's just a bunch of hypocrites. And I told someone one time, I said, you know what's sad, though? Between you and the Lord, it's all them hypocrites. Because <laughs> they're still there. And he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. They're still there. Well, they're not right. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for you and I to do nothing. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for you and I to do nothing. And you know what fear does? It immobilizes you. Fear immobilizes you, and it'll keep you from doing anything because it'll cause you to withdraw because you feel like you're the only safe place. You're not. You're not. So as I was looking at this, and I'm going, all right, Lord, then what's the answer? And and he, he brought me right back to Stephen's message about that love relationship that we have with the Word of God. And he challenged me and encouraged me to pick up my Bible, not just, 
my iPad. I still read the Bible a lot on my iPad, but I, I'm in the habit now of, of picking up my Bible and reading the Bible to have it in my hands without the distraction. And I said, Lord, there's that fear that everyone deals with. If you say you don't deal with fear, you're deceived. I'm not saying everyone's defeated by fear, but we, we fear, you know, one of the things that we do when we fear if in relationship, sometimes we run. We run not just from that relationship, but we run from all relationships. And we create a prison that we're captured inside. And we think we're safe, but really we're not. We're dying. Because God created us for, for relationship, right? Did he not, in Genesis, create us for relationship? If we want to talk about relationship, let's go to the book of beginnings. God created man in his image. He looked at man. The only thing he said wasn't good was that man didn't have relationship. Is that in your Bible? He said it's not good that man is alone. So he took woman from the side of Adam, and Adam woke up, and he said, whoa, man, I like it. <laughs> and hence, woman was created. He said, it's not good that man should be alone. God desires, he, he built us, he equipped us for relationship. So as I was looking at that, and again, as I was going back to what Stephen has shared last week. And I really, I, I'm not being light about it. You really need to listen. If you weren't here and were not able to hear it, you need to listen. He did a, an amazing job sharing the word. He was just too serious. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He, he, that's who he is, and that's what made it so sweet. But as, as I was looking at that, the Lord took me to Joshua chapter 1. And this is a familiar, familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. What? What you laughing? <laughs> you got to listen to Stephen's message again. He said, if you don't know where a book is in the Bible, just watch the pastor when he flips to it. And I grabbed my iPad and it messed Stephen up. Go to the concordance like you told me in the front. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1. <laughs> a merry heart does good like a medicine. Somebody just got your medicine this morning. <laughs> After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, So, Moses died. Did, did Moses and Joshua have relationship together? Absolutely. Joshua was like a son in the faith to Moses. I mean, it was Joshua and Caleb that said, uh-uh, we're well able to do what the Lord has instructed Moses for us to do. We're well able. So Joshua was, uh, as, you, as I said, like a spiritual son to Moses, very close. So Moses has died, and Joshua is now has the responsibility of leading this massive amount of people. He says, Moses, verse 
Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now this is the Lord speaking to him. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am given to the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness of this Lebanon and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the sea, the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He said, I will be with you. Was it Exodus 33, uh, Stephanie, where Moses was having a discourse with the Lord? And he said, Lord, if you don't go, I'm not going. Your presence has to go with me. I won't leave without your presence. I won't go without your presence. And that's why I said what I did this morning when I said, I, I have stuff to say, and I believe there, that there's a... Uh, we have desires in our heart, but I want to be sensitive to what he's doing because I had a word in my heart that I wanted to share, but I wanted to make sure that there wasn't something else that we needed to do first before then. And as a matter of fact, we did uh, because everything we shared up until this passage of Scripture is what wasn't in my notes. It was just the Lord gave me as foundation for this. He said, no, no man, verse 5, no man should be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Does that sound familiar? Hebrews 13, 5. He said, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide as an inheritance. Um, for, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance to the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which, is, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law, and it wasn't talking about the Ten Commandments. This book of the law he was talking about, the first five books of the Bible, is what they had as the Bible this book of law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, who will? You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? What did he say next? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you... He said, have I not commanded you, be strong. He didn't say, I suggest to you. He said, I commanded you, be strong. And what else? And of good courage, do not be afraid. I commanded you, be strong. I can't be strong, Lord. You don't know what they did. I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. You know what courage says? Courage says, even though it hurt, even though I fail, I'm going to get back up again and I'm going to do it again. Amen. Courage says, it may not have went exactly like I wanted it to the first time, but it's not going to stop me from seeing what I know is possible. He said, be strong and of good courage and do not be afraid. 
As a matter of fact, verse 7, he said, only be strong and very courageous. So what was he saying? There's an opportunity for you to have some strength and some courage and still allow fear to manipulate your life. He said, only be strong and very courageous. There's going to be opportunities for the other, but only be strong and very courageous. I think the only time that we really understand what that place feels like sometimes is when we're in that place where we go, God, I can't do this. He says, only be strong and very courageous. Quit looking at what you can't do and look at who's with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that what he told Moses? When Moses said, how, how, Lord, I, I, I stammer and stutter. How, how am I going to go do this? He said, I'll be with you. I will be with you. So the marriage in, a, in living healthy relationships is that marriage of the Word of God being a vital part of our lives. Because you can't not have fear just by saying, I won't fear. Because what displaces or casts out fear? Love. Perfect love. So as love moves in, fear moves out, but something takes the place of where fear was. It's not just saying, I won't fear. It's not focusing on fear. What you focus on, you become. Corinthians 3 says, beholding him, we're transformed from glory to glory. And then what that is, it sets up a principle that says that what you constantly look at is what you become. I mean, we see that with, wasn't it Jacob with the uh, cattle and the sheep that Jacob set the spirit? The spotted rods and, uh, isn't that right? Is it Jacob? Thank you. Make sure. What they looked at, they became. So conquering fear is not studying fear. Conquering fear is allowing love to have its perfect place. You know what? Sometimes conquering fear says, I refuse to go from here to here. And what I mean is I, I refuse to go from right here to, to taking just the exact opposite and going way over here and allowing that even an abuse of others, something that someone else abuses or takes and does the wrong way, we can allow for us to go the totally other way. Are you with me? So what we do is we create a ditch. We go from a ditch to a ditch. And the reason we do is because we pass through love to get over there. So some of the things that we do is we, we'll put up walls. We'll set up, and this is what I was going to say earlier, and I said I don't want it because somebody could take it out of context. We set up, quote, unquote, boundaries. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be boundaries in healthy relationships. If there wasn't boundaries in sports, you wouldn't know who's winning or losing, or you just do whatever you want to do. I'm not saying that boundaries are unhealthy, but what I'm saying is this, that we use that as an excuse. Well, I'm just putting up boundaries. No, what you're doing is building a prison. Boundaries, what they do is they structure a healthy relationship. Walls, they forbid or permit or, or, or hinder relationship. Big difference. A boundary, what it does is it says, I want this relationship to be better to be stronger, to be healthier, and this is what can help do that. But Wall says, no, I got hurt, so I don't want it. 
And that's not just with people. That can be with uh, anything. It it could be with anything. It could be with your beliefs. Is that we put up walls. He said, only be strong and very courageous. What is his recipe? Not formula, but his recipe for this success? He said, don't allow the word of God to depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. He didn't say from your hand. He didn't even say from your heart. He said from your mouth. What's the importance of your mouth? Well, we're created in his image, right? And how did he create? With his mouth. He spoke. He said, he declared, that's what he did. And he said, I want you to understand the power of your mouth. Let me just park there a minute. Because Stephen talked about that last week, about cursing. And he wasn't talking about swear words. He was talking about making negative uh, confessions and things like that. And that's what I've seen in the church, in my experience, is there's been this group that was over here that they were called the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it group. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. And they would say, well, if I declare and decree, it'll be. And it doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter if it was in the Word of God or not. I mean, it got so far in the ditch, there was this one lady, woo, there was this one lady who was declaring that Gloria Copeland was going to die so that she could marry Kenneth Copeland because she wanted him to be her husband and she was going to decree and declare until he died, till Gloria died so that she could have him. Well, that was 30, 40, 30 some years ago, and they're still together. So what I've seen is there was that group that, were, that took a truth and took it out of relationship to the Word of God and twisted it. And what I saw from that were others who went way over here and said, that name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, junk is of the devil. So what did they do? They traded the truth for a ditch. Now, whether we believe it or not, there's power in your words. It's replete in the Word of God. Throughout the book of Proverbs, the Proverbs, uh, our I read a proverb every day, and it's amazing to me as many times as in there that it talks about your words and the power of the tongue. Jesus talked about death and life being in the power of the tongue. And if we've seen that abused, it's so easy to go the other way and say, nope, words don't matter. Well, who got snookered in that one? You did. He said, told Joshua, he said, don't let this book depart from your what? mouth, but you'll meditate in it day and night. The word meditate means to mutter over and over. It's, you know, most illustrations that go with this is like a cow chewing its cud. I know that's a pleasant picture. It's that how many, how many stomachs does a cow have? Eight? Four. Four. Thank you, Jeremy. Four. And they'll eat it, and it'll go down, and it'll come back up, and they'll eat it, and it processes up. Isn't that pleasant? Y'all ready to go eat? <laughs> they'll chew it and spit it back up and chew it some more. And chew it. <laughs> Try that at lunch today. I'm just going to get all I can get out of this. 
Not quite the same. Now go too far, honey. I'm getting the look. <laughs> no bueno. No good. But to meditate, it means that it's not just something that's in our head or just in our heart. It's something that we've declared out our mouths. And over the past few weeks, one of the things I've been doing is, is I've been saying that. Outside, don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. When I saw contradicting circumstances and stuff like that, I would say, don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. Because what I was doing is setting the course of, of my mind. Wow. Seeing how I just started in my notes. <laughs> I'll share this and then I'll close. John chapter, uh, John chapter 20. I've, I've shared John chapter 20 several times in John 20, 22, when Jesus, it says, when he breathed on, his, uh, breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, but in John chapter 30, John, I'm sorry, John chapter 20, verse 30. There's not a John 30. Everybody's looking for John. Stephen's like, that one's sure not in my Bible. <laughs> Turn to that one, preacher. I want to see you find John 30. <laughs> John 20, verse 30. <clears throat> this is right after uh, Thomas, who wasn't there when Jesus appeared to them the first time and breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Thomas wasn't there, and he came back, and he said, I won't believe it unless I see him. Uh, and then the verses prior to that, Jesus appears again, and uh, he said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me, seen and yet have believed. And verse 30 says this, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Verse 31 says this, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, listen to this, and that believing you may have life in his name. I love that word may. It means you have the opportunity to. It doesn't have anything to do with the ability. Can has to do with the ability. May means that you have opportunity. He said, these things are written so that you'll believe. And that in believing, you may have life in his name. So what is that? What are you saying? What, the, what, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this, that just because you believe into him doesn't mean that you have life in him. It means it's there for you, but you have to take the opportunity to walk in it. That you may have life. Does that make sense? The book is full of promises, and if we don't know the promises, we can't partake of the promises because we don't know them. That's where the may comes in. He said, I've given you life, and John 10, 10, I, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it, that you might, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. It's up to us. <clears throat> I love <clears throat> John 21, 25. It's just on the next page over if you've got a Bible like mine. You see it right there. It says this, and there are also 
there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. But he said in in 20, verse 31, he said, but the things that you have are so that you can believe. He said, I've written enough for you to believe, and that in believing, you can have life. And that's life as he has it. That's his desire for us, is that we have life like he has it. And what stops us from that is fear. It's from fear of the unknown and fear of uh, stepping beyond what we do know. I've seen this so many times, and I will close with this. I've seen people who are hurting. I've seen people in lifestyles that they don't like. I've seen people uh, living with uh, with an offense that they don't want to control their lives anymore. But because they're familiar with where they are, they're afraid to embrace what God has promised. As much as they disdain, as much as they hate how it is right now, whether it be uh, an abusive relationship, whether it be uh, a, a mindset, an offense that they've taken that someone did to them, and they, they're tired of walking in offense, but they know every morning when they wake up that that offense is there, and they know what it is to feel rejected. So instead of knowing what it is to be accepted, they stay in what's familiar, which is rejection for fear of change. As much as they hate where they are, they're afraid of what could be. You know why? Because they don't understand love. Love doesn't mean that everything just disappears and you float up on this cotton candy cloud. But what it means is this, that he's with me no matter what. That he's promised he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And he's promised that I'll be with him forever. Here's the thing about life. It's temporal. No matter how good or bad it is, it's temporal. It's not going to last forever. But our relationship with him determines where we spend forever. And he didn't die for us to just be able to get to forever. He died so that we could have life and have it, as Stephen said, to the fullest. Right here, right now. And I'm convinced one of the greatest hindrances to that is fear. He said, only believe.